Welcome to the 2400 Block Podcast with your host, Johnny Roos. Hey everyone, it is the first episode of 2024 and Jonathan Nigel is our guest for today. Great to have him on and in a few, Jonathan here will openly discuss in detail about his life story, which will then lead on to the subject at hand, which centers on the many struggles that the modern man is facing. And we're also going to discuss about the importance of awareness, self-care and getting help. And that's the reason why I got Jonathan on this show. I know his valuable input can definitely help out someone in need. So uh, how are you doing there, Jonathan? I'm doing great, thank you. And let me just explain to the listeners like I did to you. I I was sick last week. Um, I'm over the sickness, but I think from coughing, I had something happen with my my, uh, vocal cords. So if you see me sipping, I've got some lemon tea here with honey. But otherwise, I'm doing fantastic, and I'm very appreciative of you having me on. So thank you for that. Oh, you're very welcome, man. I hope you continue uh, being well during the show as well as after. Uh, by the way, how was your New Year's? Happy New Year, everyone, by the way. Uh, th- yeah, thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. It was very good, very low-key, just stayed in. Um, mm-hmm. Since I quit drinking, you know, it's, it's just it's just another, another night for me. So it was very, very low-key, but it's just crazy as we get older, right, how quickly these years seem to, like, tick by. I mean, yeah. we're in 2024 now. It's like... Where do they go? I remember when I was young, it seemed like it took eons for a year to, you know, to pass. But now they just fly by. So it was good. Yeah. How was your New Year's? Uh, it was good. It could have been better. Um, somehow the hotel that my girlfriend uh, booked for uh, during New Year's so we can see the fireworks, uh, you know, on the Chicago River. It turns out they, they unintentionally canceled. She said we might oh. cancel, which didn't really say we're canceling it, but they canceled anyways. And we went forth with a, a different plan. So we just spent it here in the suburbs, got ourselves some food, uh, got everyone involved. And next thing you know, it was happy new years. And just like that, you know, we're done. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, it's already heard about that cancellation, but at least you guys made something of it and had a good time and spending time with loved ones. It's that's what's most important. Cool. Anyways, John, uh, before we jump right into it, uh, tell the viewers and listeners about yourself, where you're from, and what you do for a living. Uh, so I'm originally from Canada, born and raised in Canada. I was raised on a 500-acre cattle farm outside of a place called Peterborough, and it was a wonderful way to grow up. I, I grew up in the 80s um, and 90s. So I was very disconnected from technology. Um, people were just starting to get Nintendos and Segas, but my parents refused to buy me one, which I know I now look back as being the greatest gift because they would just say, you know, go fall out a tree or go uh-huh. build something like just go outside. And I would just go walk into the fields for six to eight hours with my dogs and just, you know, playing in ponds and forests. And so it was wonderful. Um, I am now coming to you from Texas. I moved down here. Four and a half years ago, almost five years. April will be five years. Um, just my dog and I moved down here. And my father now lives in Texas as of two years ago. I have been an international model for the last 16 years. Uh, sorry, 15 years. Just past, or It's coming up. No, sorry, in December. Just passed my 15-year anniversary of international wow. modeling. I've been a certified personal trainer with a, a love and, and a passion for fitness and and our bodies and how everything works for 13 years. And I also uh, do some real estate investment here in Texas. Um, I'm doing 
flips with my business partner. And it's something I've always been very interested in, but never had the opportunity to get into because of how expensive Canada was and stuff like that. So now that I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take advantage of that. And that's a, that's a new venture and a whole new thing to learn about. So I'm really enjoying it. Wow. You have uh, different avenues uh, when it comes to your profession. Um, I do. I see you were in an underwear model. Um, yep, for sure. Done lots of underwear, lots of swimwear. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. In, in the industry, there are, there are body guys like for the men there are body guys and mm-hmm. they're like face only guys and i'm a face and body guy so a lot of times i'll be sh- i yeah i've shot a lot of uh body stuff and worked really hard but there's a interesting backstory to that part of that it's not all it not all that glitters is gold so we'll get into that down the line but uh yeah i'm still doing quite a bit of modeling um still love it and uh it's uh yeah it's it's it's, it's something I really enjoy. Like I said, 15 years, I'm still going strong and no, no signs of slowing down. Cool. I mean, wow. I've, this is the first time I actually talked to a, an underwear model. So that's, re- that's really cool. Um, <laughs> I got myself some, you know, jockey, uh, <laughs> underwear and, and Emporio Armani. And of course this one here, uh, I'm not sure if that's you, but <laughs> Calvin <laughs> Klein didn't even open it yet, but yeah, my girlfriend bought me that. No, I, I shot the uh, jockey campaign one year um, in just out, at about two and a half hours outside of Denver. Oh. It was, it was pretty fun because it was my first big campaign that I landed. I was in New York at the time uh-huh. and we did the casting and I was like, oh, that went great. Like a bunch of guys, like it was, you know, a, and I didn't hear anything back. I was like, darn, I guess I missed it. And I think four or five months later, my agency called me and they're like, hey, you got the, the booking. And I'm like, what booking? And it turns out that they had gone to... I think Miami, LA, I think Chicago as well, and New York, and done all these castings, and they only picked two guys out of the whole thing, and I was one of the two, oh, and wow. then three women, and then they flew us out there, and we went up to the uh, the Rockies, and yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty wonderful. It's it it's very true what they say of New York with with regards to you know modeling is you know finance anything it's it's kind of the pinnacle of mm-hmm. and if you can. If you can make it there, if you book stuff there, it's it's that much harder because you're competing against the best, but it's that much more satisfi- uh, satisfying and and rewarding. So, yeah, but that was that was a great one. Flying out for a jockey was was a lot of fun. Mm. Except see. it was six thirty in the morning, and I was outside when it was thirty degrees, and I was in my boxer briefs and had to oh pretend like I was having the most fun I'd ever had in my life, and. So it's not all as glamorous as you think, but the pictures came out, so. And they turned out great, too. Yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, t- thanks for uh, taking us behind the scenes over there. Yeah. Um, now, before you go deep with today's subject here, uh, tell us a little bit about your life story. I know that correlates to what you're doing right now as well, um, modeling. So, yeah, you can put that with your life story. Yeah, tell us. Fair enough. So, um had a wonderful childhood, like I said. I've always been a, a big athlete, very much into athletics. It's always been a very big part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, playing hockey at an early age in Canada, of course, you know, it's like, it's what we do. My parents are both immigrants. My father is from Michigan originally. My mother from Trinidad. Um, neither of them played hockey, but, you know, I was in Canada. They were like, get on the ice, like, just go. Mm-hmm. Um, lacrosse is always a big part of my life as well. I ended up going to uh, to school for a scholarship and further down the road ended up playing professionally um in lacrosse but 
I had a very wonderful childhood, like I said, but things really changed for me very drastically the day before my 21st birthday. And it was a day just like any other. And mm -hmm. I had just moved out of, I had moved back to my family farm to live with my mom for a year because she was going through a bit of a rough time and I needed to get my head on straight as well. And I just moved out 11 days earlier um, and to get my first big boy job. I was going to go sell cars at this place, at this city about three and a half hours away. And uh -huh. I remember I had the morning off <clears throat> and my mom had been planning, you know, my 21st birthday celebrations. And I was going to buy fish for my fish tank. Um, you know, I had a 30 gallon fish tank. And I'll never forget, I was walking to the thing and I got a call and they asked me if I was alone or if I was at work. And I, it was a call from my home number, and I expected just to be like, hey, this is the plan for tomorrow. We're going to come up. We're going to go for dinner here, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. And I put my hand on the door to go in, and th they said, uh, your mom died. And I was just shot. I mean, floored. My mom wasn't sick. She wasn't battling anything. Like, it was a very sudden, very unexpected. She was absolutely my best friend, my biggest supporter. Um my life as I knew it was, was over. I mean, I just, it was never, and it would never be the same. Um, soon after that, I started to deal with mental health issues. Um, I was diagnosed with having severe anxiety, um, clinical depression, panic disorder, and self-harm. And I didn't know what anxiety was back then. It wasn't talked about, this is 20 years ago. Yeah. It wasn't talked about. I didn't, I had never heard the words anxiety. I, like I said, I, thankfully I had a childhood where I didn't experience that. And I just thought I was going crazy. I thought I was losing it. I'm like, I, I, nobody, I was like, nobody's ever felt this way before except for me. And I'm losing it. Like, that's how I felt. I finally was diagnosed and started to understand and, and was put on some medication. And, but I, I noticed that I had a little way of helping myself deal with it. And that was drinking. Mm. And I had always been a drinker, but I drank too much at times, but I could, I could also stop too. Like I remember coming home from college one summer and just deciding that I was going to not drink for three months and uh -huh. I just didn't drinking after my mom passed away and, and I started dealing with this mental health issues. It went from a want and it became a necessity and pretty quickly I found myself a full blown non-functioning alcoholic and I was gaining weight, my, everything around me was start, was crumbling. You know, it was my relationships, my finance, my finances, um, my work, um, my relationships with my girlfriends, whatever, you name it, everything around me is crumbling, my, my friends. But I didn't want to admit what the problem was because that was my crutch. And I always found some other excuse as to what else it could be. Uh -huh. And until one morning, I remember, I was sitting there and it was eight o'clock in the morning. I'd called sick, called in sick from work. I had the shakes cause I was getting alcohol withdrawals in the morning and it's eight o'clock in the morning. I'm opening my first beer for the day. And I sat there and I just started crying and I said, that's it. I'm like, I said, I'm an alcoholic. I, it's got me. Like I, I, I don't know how I'm going to stop, but it's got its hold, like it's got a hold of me. So I spent better part of three years in that space mm -hmm. and really just declining, continually declining into the depths of alcoholism and, and depression and all that kind of stuff. But I got very lucky 
And the reason was because I had a very bad case of acute pancreatitis when I was 25. And it was very, so severe to the, to the, to the extent that I spent just under a month in the hospital. I had to have five blood transfusions while I was in there. I lost 40 pounds in the first two weeks and then 60 pounds in total. And I almost died twice. They told me there were, oh, wow. there were two times in which, um, I almost died and having, you know, being 25, you think, you know, you kind of think you all figured out and, you know, I owned yeah. a couple cars and I'd already bought a house. So I kind of thought I was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, whatever I, I had it going on. And that was very humbling for me to, to lay there in that hospital bed and, you know, the silent ward at night and just to hear the beeps of the, the machines that are keeping you alive and, you know, having a catheter and having things going up my nose and having like all these people rushing around at different times. And so I came out of that. <clears throat> the doctor told me before I left, they said, look, the severity of pancreatitis that you had, we don't know why it was so severe because what you had is what we see in somebody who's like 70 and they've been drinking every day for the last 55 years. Oh, wow. Like, you know, we, people like kids like you come in and, you know, maybe they spend a night in here and they go on their way and they said, he said, look, alcohol is not an option for you. And I told him after going through what I just did, like the pain and all that, I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm not touching it ever again. So that was, that was when I got sober from alcohol, but I didn't do any programs or anything like that. And, but that's also when I started to gain this appreciation for my body and for our bodies and the, how wonderful the human body is. Mm -hmm. Because what it does effortlessly, effortlessly putting, you know, and, and I, I'm not a preachy non-drinker. I don't think everybody should be sober. I don't think everybody should eat, you know, boiled chicken and right. Like, I don't think that at all. But I am fascinated by how my body let me abuse it by drinking and eating fast food and not exercise, you know, doing all those things. But somehow it kept me going. So I wanted to learn what happens on the flip side. What happens when I take better care of it? And, you know, learn more about, so I started to really get a, a passion for fitness. And then, you know, going back to lacrosse, I was having the best season of my life. And I ended up having a career ending uh, knee injury, which I was like, okay, you know, I'm 26. Maybe it's time to hang it up. Like lacrosse is, indoor lacrosse is pretty physical and, you know, go, it, it doesn't pay very well. So going to work with black eyes and stitches and, you know, I've got some scars still that are around here. You know, that was kind of getting getting a little bit tired. So I thought I'd hang the stick up, but then I thought I'd look into some modeling because now I was in shape and my mom had actually been a model in the late seventies and early eighties. And I went to Toronto and, and found out some of the, the higher profile agencies and just went for open castings and got a couple contracts and nice. signed my first, first modeling contract. So let me just take a sip of my tea here to keep my throat going. All good. So I signed my first modeling contract and I start modeling locally and then I got the opportunity to travel internationally and mm -hmm. I was working for my father at the time. He's an architectural designer and I, he, I was an architectural planner and with his blessing, he's like, you know, what you've been through and how hard you've worked to get yourself, you know, to where you are now. He's think he's like, that's great. You know, if you can, if you can do this and make a, make a business of it, then sure. So my first stop was Cape Town, South Africa. I just... I went as far as possible. They're like, wow. do you want to go to Cape? Do you want to go to South Africa? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. 
So I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know if there were going to be lions walking down the street. I didn't know. I mean, I'd only ever seen National Geographic, like, typical, yeah. you know, uneducated. I mean, I just didn't know. Um, wonderful place. Incredible people. Very affordable cost of living. Stunning scenery. But when I got there, I noticed, for me personally, I'm a bit of a larger frame guy and naturally put on muscle, um, just genetically. But I was still working out like a professional athlete. And I was looking at all of these guys on the covers of these magazines. And I was like, okay, I need to be like big and just... And when I got to these bigger markets outside of Toronto, I was like twice the size of these guys. And I thought, okay, I, I started to plant the seed of a bit of body dysmorphia. Uh -huh. Whereas even though I was booking work and doing pretty well, I was like, well, I booked this, this, and this job. But this guy booked this, this, and this job. Why didn't I get those as well? Maybe I need to be more like this guy. So that kind of like that seed was being planted. You know, I was doing it in my own head. Yeah. So I spent six months in South Africa, came back to Canada for a week, and then I drove down to Miami for my next one. And this is my first major U.S. market. You know, I'm getting, I've got representation in Miami. Mm -hmm. So I get there, and the second day I'm there, I'm, I still haven't found a place to live yet. And my agency calls me and they're like, we got a casting for you. It's actually, a, it's what's called a go-see, which is basically a, a private casting where if you have, if you're new to a market or if you have new pictures come out, a photographer or designer might ask to see you specifically. And I was new to it. So I was like, great, that's awesome. That's, you know, two days here. That's, that's great. But the, my booker said that just so you know, this casting is going to be at this guy's house. I'm like, okay. Um, it's going to be at 8.30 at night. And I was like, okay. And he's, this guy's notoriously a bit of a creep. Mm. And I was like, okay. Asterisk. Yeah, exactly. But, but if he likes you, he'll book you a lot. It's like, okay. So this is back in 2010. So I go to the casting and he was a swimwear and underwear designer. And like I said, it was just me and him. I'm at his house. Um, I go to, I was going to the bathroom, change into a couple things. He's like, a, mm -hmm. I'd like to see you try a couple things on, showed him my portfolio, you know, here are my pictures. And it's not unnormal for us models to walk into somewhere and then go put on like a speedo. Yeah. You know, it's pretty, it, it sounds very foreign to a lot of people, but it's, it's, you know, it's part of the gig and it's, so that wasn't that big of a deal. But every time I came out, at with a new piece of clothing, like I was three pieces of clothing in and he went from like standing and evaluating the, uh, like how the fit was and stuff uh -huh. to now he's like sitting and now he's sitting on a stool, like at my crotch level. Mm. And I'm like, okay, whatever. He's just checking out the fabric and like, he's taking more and more time to check out the fabric. And I'm like, dude, this is speedo. You can't check out like that much fabric. Like what are we doing here? Like yeah. my crotch is here and his face is here. I'm like, whatever. So he goes and has me try another one. And when I came back out this time, he pulled my pants down and he started to sexually assault me. Oh my. And my first thought was, my first thought was shock. It was like, what? Like, I, I couldn't believe that this line was being crossed. My second thought, because of my background from lacrosse and then also from, you know, my mom passing away and, and just, I've been in a lot of physical altercations. I've been in a lot of fights, whether it was, sports or bar fights or street fights, whatever. I, I know how to handle myself. I've lost a lot of fights, 
but I've also won a lot of fights. So my next thought was, I'm going to beat this person to death. Then I thought to myself, well, no, because then I'm going to go to jail. I'll get attempted murder or even worse murder. I decided to get my, just, I said, you know what? I pushed them away. Mm -hmm. I just, I was like, I need to get out of the situation. You know, I went back. I was like, you know, F you. I don't want your, like, don't touch me. I don't want your business. I'm out of here. Whatever. I left. Well, I didn't tell anybody at all. I didn't tell my agency because I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I was confused. I was mad. I, you know, every emotion you could think of, I was. But at the same time, I was also, I didn't want to be known as like a troublemaker because back then, before the Me Too movement, if you kind of ruffled feathers, yeah. it would go from one designer to their photographer friend to that designer and you would kind of get blacklisted. So I just didn't tell anybody. But about two weeks after that, I started an eight-year battle with an eating disorder because I let this body dysmorphia and this stuff that just happened to me and my mom and everything, I let it get the better of me. And I, I call myself, I always say that I'm, I'm what you would call or what I would, I would call a functioning bulimic. Mm. Whereas I would wake up and I would eat my healthy oats. I'd have my you know lunch. I'd have my dinner. Everything was fine. I wouldn't purge it up or anything like that. It was... When I was alone with my thoughts and when I was, you know, I, I'd come home and, and be alone and I needed some kind of release, I would go get like $100, $150 worth of junk food, just, you know, eat myself like sick and then get rid of it. And that was, like I said, that was a cycle that lasted for about eight years. Oh, wow. And so I moved back to, I went to New York next. I went to London, uh, England. Went back to New York and I was starting to get kind of like, you can get worn out traveling constantly. You know, you're having to make new friends. You know, you start dating a girl and you have to leave and that kind of stuff. So yeah. it can kind of like living out of a suitcase. So I wanted, like I said, fitness was becoming a big passion of mine. I wanted to open my own fitness business, start training people. I wanted to get a dog who's sitting over there sleeping. But so I decided to come back to Toronto and put down roots and, and be in Toronto plus being close to my dad and stuff like that had been you know constantly traveling so I did that but when I got back I again my it was just it was I didn't have the distraction now of traveling traveling was a distraction as well as the bulimia was a distraction but now I was coming home to the same place every day and I didn't have that distraction so I started down the path of drugs. And because I drinking wasn't an option, I'll, I'll never drink a sip of alcohol ever again. But I smoked weed in college. I was like, I'll start smoking weed again. But when I do something, I have a very addictive personality and I'm all in. Like when I play lacrosse, I wanna go until I'm a professional lacrosse player. When I drink, I, wanna, I go until I'm an alcoholic. When I you know, work out, I wanna work out until you know, I can barely, like whatever. I, I have a you're very just so focused, whatever you're doing. Yeah, you're just, just so focused. obsessive focus. Uh -huh. So I didn't just, you know, casually smoke a little bit here and there. I was smoking like two ounces a week. Mm. And like so much so that I'd be embarrassed to go back to my dealers and buy it. I'd, I'd have like five, like four or five different people because uh -huh. I was embarrassed by about the amount that I was buying and smoking. It was starting to change my personality. I know people are, a lot of people are like, oh, it's just weed. You can't get addicted to it. But I'm, 
I totally disagree with that because like any other addiction, it was ruining my quality of life, my finances, just the same way with alcohol, my my relationships. I was becoming, you know, uh, just like when I was an alcoholic, unreliable to people around me. And I also was, I started taking Adderall because I'd heard about, hey, you can stay, you can get really lean, but you can get really productive at the same time. So I went to my doctor and I told him that I had ADD, which I don't. And I got Adderall and started abusing that. And I would go on these four or five day binges where I'd be up for like four or five days straight, just doing Adderall, smoking weed, and I'd also be doing uh, nitrous, like inhaling whippets. Uh-huh. And every time I came out of one of those binges, and that's something I, I, I've talked about recently on my, uh, on my Instagram and TikTok, it's like, I wasn't starting from zero again. I was like resetting to farther back from, it's like say I was awake for four days. There's four days I just lost. Now it takes another two days for the stuff to get out of my system. So there, and then now I've been off the gym for six days and I've been, you know, had my phone off for six days. So now I have to go back and make up for all that kind of stuff. So I kept doing this like reset thing where I was setting myself back, setting myself back and back. Eventually the weed started to turn on me and instead of it being like a, hey, I can just numb out and kind of forget about my stuff, it became like a very anxious, uncomfortable place. And I, instead of enjoying just being high, I would be obsessing about the things that I should be doing for my business, but I didn't have enough motivation to do. And I was like, this isn't fun. I'm done with it. I had a real moment with, I had many rock bottoms. I've had dozens of rock bottoms. And I think a lot of other addicts that I talk to can relate to this. I'd had so many times where I dumped the weed in the toilet, dumped the Adderall in the toilet, flushed it down. That's the last one. Never again. Mm-hmm. Two days later, it's like, I'm kind of getting the itch. Like, I'll just get a little bit. And just, just a little bit and be fine. So anyway, I, I finished with the weed, came to that same conclusion with the Adderall and with the nitrous. But I still had all these thoughts and all these things going on. So the last thing I went to was these over-the-counter back uh, muscle relaxing back pills. And you could just buy them off the shelf. Um, in each pill, there was 500 milligrams of methocarbamol, which is the muscle relaxing um, ingredient and then 200 milligrams of ibuprofen but like i said before if i do something i don't just do it i do it so i was taking 100 of these pills every single day oh man i was having, i was ingesting 50,000 milligrams of methocarbamol and 20,000 milligrams of ibuprofen every single day wow. i'd go train my clients i'd go to a shoot, mm-hmm. I'd go to the gym, everything be fine, and I'd come home, and I'd be alone with my thoughts, and I would just dump a handful of 30 or 40, take them, and then sure enough, I'd go through 100 every day. And that happened for, that, kept, that went on for probably like four to six months, I'll have to double check, but I started noticing that I was very lethargic, and I just figured it was because I took 100 pills the day before. like. I started to notice that I was getting very lightheaded. And again, I'm just like, well, I took 100 pills the day before. Like, of course I'm lightheaded. But I started having fainting spells. And 
I fainted once. I remember Bailey, I woke up and my dog Bailey was licking my face and you know, I, my anxiety started to really get, go through the roof because I was starting to think, what if I'm driving and I faint uh-huh. and hurt somebody? What if I'm in the grocery store or something? Ha- like, so I finally came to the point where I realized, hey, it's these pills that are doing it. So I stopped taking them. And the next morning I was supposed to go to a shoot. And I remember I was brushing my teeth and I, my knees were buckling. I literally, literally couldn't hold my, the weight of my own body. So I called my agency. I said, look, I can't go to the shoot. I have to go to the ER. Went straight to the ER and it turns out that I had major internal bleeding from an ulcer in my intestines. But I didn't see it because I, didn't, I wasn't passing blood when I was like throwing up and I wasn't passing it in my stool or my urine. It was just in my intestines being leaked into my body. So I said, okay, I'm done with that. And that was my final, you know, something's got to change moment because I'll give myself credit. I always stuck with, I mean, Adderall is kind of serious, but I always stuck with like the baseline drugs for the most part, Mm -hmm. but I did a lot of them because I knew the moment that I took cocaine or oxy, whatever, or hydro, whatever, my life was over. And I got to that point now where I was like, okay, I'm 35 years old. I've got a, a major internal ulcer or intestinal ulcer from this. I either find a new substance or I get my act together because I don't want to live this way anymore. I've been doing this for 15 years. I've been doing this and distracting myself. And that's when I decided to put aside all of these stigmas and everything I had about therapy and decided to go to therapy and to face all the things that I've been been running away from or, or just been compartmentalizing for the longest time and to try and live for the first time at 35 as a sober functioning adult because I'd never been that before. I'd never, so I, I had to learn that and I always say things got a lot darker before they got lighter because all these nice little compartmentalized boxes that I had stuffed everywhere started to pour in and I didn't have a substance to take it away. It was just, but you know what, with that, like, this isn't going to beat me. I'm going to beat it and, or that athlete mentality, whatever it is. I said, no, I'm, I'm doing this. I, and there are so many times where I thought I wasn't going to make it and I just wanted to take the easy way out and whatever. And I was like, no, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep pushing. And that's what I did. And I went to a therapist and, and learned the tools to be able to manage the things that I've been through, my mental health and life as a sober, you know, like I said, functioning adult. And that was uh, about six or seven years ago now, I guess six years ago. Yeah, about that, six and a half years ago. And that's what I'm doing ever since. And I'm very grateful that I have. And it's just within the last year that I've been talking about this more publicly because first of all, I was ashamed of the sexual assault and the bulimia because I thought, you know, those are not manly things to happen to somebody or to to deal with. But I've gotten to this point now where it's like, I'm not ashamed of my past. I'm proud of who I am and all the things that I've gone through. I've also learned to forgive myself 
first of all, for the things that I've done and I've chosen, like drugs and alcohol and you know all the money spent, all the time spent, I forgive myself because I was trying to do my best with what I had. And that's, that's gone. I can't get the money back, even though I wish I could. I can't get the time back. That's, and I forgive myself for that. But I also forgive myself for my mom passing away, for the sexual assault and the things that have happened to me that have been out of my control. I also lost three best friends. I, I forgive myself for those things as well because those are unfortunate facts of life that I didn't ask for, but they happened. And I can't, again, I can't change it, but it's made me who I am today. And I'm keeping, I'm trying to keep growing and learning, but I'm proud of who I am today and trying to continue to, like I said, learn and grow. But I guess that's, that's kind of where, what puts me, it puts us at, uh, at where we are today. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was powerful. You went through a whole lot, my friend. And I just got to commend you on, uh, on doing a good job. It's good to know, uh, you know, there was that warning sign that you had to stop. And you just got to uh, have that fortitude to take it to the next level and recycle all of whatever that was uh, in, in your body, whatever's in your mind, whatever's clouding in your thoughts, and just to start a new, start fresh. And hopefully yeah. uh, for many out there that are facing almost the same exact thing, hopefully they can get a fresh start. And by the way, how, how can one, um, you know, uh, can get that kind of help that you have? Does it start just uh, yourself? It starts from within? I, I think in uh, to an extent, yes. I think mm-hmm. it, it does start from within for, for sure. Like I had people telling me for years, you know, you shouldn't drink so much. And, you know, I, I kept the drug stuff pretty well hidden, but the few people that I knew what was going mm-hmm. on, they, you know, but I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll get around to it. Like I can stop whenever I want to. It wasn't until I decided that I had 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 enough that I went and and decided to do something about it. But I always say too, like whether it's mental health, uh, addiction, whatever, I think it's really important to go and see a medical professional and to go and and work with somebody who can help you. And and it's great to talk to your friends. It's great to talk to, you know, your family and stuff like that. But if you are dealing something like go find out what you're dealing with and then like I said, I didn't know what anxiety was. So once I was diagnosed with it, I tried to learn the most, like the more about it and continue to learn about it until today. Because the more you know, like it's like the devil you know, you know, like it's, it's, it's learning about it and understanding why your body's reacting a certain way in certain situations. And same with depression. Like, am I just having an off week or has it been like six months that I've been down and like understanding those differences? So yeah, I would say first it starts from within, but then don't be afraid to reach out and reach out to whether it's a friend, but I, I would highly recommend going to a medical professional and, and speaking to somebody and, and find somebody that can help you, whether it's you know with medication or with it, it's talking, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I admit I do have some weaknesses as well, uh, especially on the, on the social front. Uh, thanks to COVID, it, it birthed this podcast. Uh, it gave me the chance to, to know people uh, to get to talk to them remotely and to just to just talk about certain topics, you know, things that are uplifting, uh, right. especially during that time. My goodness. Oh, yeah. Uh, so much on our minds. <laughs> oh, but then sure. I was able to, to take the podcast further uh, seasons later. Like right now, like I'm talking to you, I've I've always been camera shy. I've, I've always not 
uh, really? comfortable looking at myself at the camera. Um, sometimes when I when I do some of these episodes, I cringe. Um, right. I'm not comfortable, really? but now uh, getting the hang of it. As each episode goes by, I realize uh, I'm not perfect. I accept the way that I am. Uh, I am socially awkward. That's uh, how I've been when I was growing up. Mom always. Uh, kept us at home. She didn't really like us participating in things like the boys club or that kind of thing and or involved with community. Now we were just stuck at home. Me and my brothers, we were just basically watching what was on the TV or listening All to right. the music and that basically like was our, <laughs> uh, the entertainment was pretty much our teacher. Uh, right. Mom and dad were always busy at work. So we were just left with the TV. You know, it was just cable TV and music and, and movies back then. So, yeah. And if you're wondering yeah. what, this, uh, what the 2400 Block Podcast is, it's where I grew up in a little neighborhood in Norfolk, Virginia, and I, w- I got to know uh, kids around my age, and we just like to uh, join together and just talk about what's the hottest thing out there, besides the that's girls, awesome. of course. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. That's very cool. I like that. Yeah, but I'm glad to... I'm just glad to be open now to be um, letting people know about my problems, whatever it is on my mind. I do have some times where I, I feel depressed. Uh, sometimes I wish there were things I could have accomplished, you know, but because of my irrational decisions, some of which have hurted my mom. And to this very day, we still talk about it, even though I've she's old over there all the way in Virginia. And I'm over here in Chicago uh, area. Mm. We're, we're still talking and we're getting closer now more than ever. But that, she, was the, she was the main reason why I left. I just felt like I didn't have time to grow when I was with them. And to right. this very day, my brothers are still, are still over there with them. And I'm the only one that, that moved further on. And, oh, okay. and I'm proud of myself for, for taking that initiative. Oh, for sure. Just to prove to for myself. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not an easy step to take, too. And like, like you said, with regards to being on camera or, or moving away from Virginia, I think life happens outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. And... You know, it's it's very nice and comfortable to be in our comfort zone. And, I mean, there are necessary, like, yeah, if there's a, a pit of rattlesnakes, I'm not going to go play in it. Uh-huh. But, you know, if there's something that I find that, like, doing my first podcast, you know, I was super nervous and super anxious about it. But I was like, I want to do this. I have a, I feel like I have this. Is, this is my purpose. I want to try and get my story out there and, and connect to other people. I have to do this. And... Same thing with just picking up and moving to Texas and like with what you did and just picking up and leaving, you know, your your support group and taking the, the journey over to, I think it's important to remember that life happens outside of our comfort zone and it's good to put ourselves in uh, uncomfortable situations a lot because we'll learn a lot about ourselves and we'll grow a lot as well. Yeah, you're right, man. You're right. Wow, man. What a great episode we're having so far. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's great so far. Yeah, it's just great to, to form, you know, friendships with, with uh, the guests that I've had so far. And hopefully you're going to be included on that list as well. I just like to just keep in touch with, with all of you every once in a while. See how yes. everyone's progress is. Absolutely. That's wonderful. That's one of the things for sure. And, like, I, I love doing these because meeting people like yourself and, and you know, it's inspiring that you're, you're putting this platform out there. Especially as somebody, like you said, who's introverted and, like, camera shy it's like yeah dude what are you doing but it's so <laughs> awesome that you're doing it it's like you should you have no business doing this but you're like i'm gonna yeah. do this and i'm gonna push myself and 
yeah, meeting awesome people like yourself who are doing this and, and making a change and stuff. And then, like I said, connecting and, and finding new, like, you know, you're over in Chicago. We would never in a million years, unless I was, you know, had a layover in uh, Chicago O'Hare and I bumped into your like shoulder maybe. We never would have ever crossed paths, but it's wonderful how, you know, technology and, and yeah. you know, these kinds of things can happen and we can come together and, and have interesting and important conversations, you know, and, and talk about these things and, and talk about fun stuff too. But yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's for sure on the, on the friend list for sure, but yeah. So, um, with that in mind, with you telling your story, you're able to take that to a different platform, like you're a speaker at, a, at an event, reaching out to people. That yeah, I'm starting. I'm starting. I'm going to be doing uh, public speaking soon. Mm-hmm. Starting to do that. Um, yeah, I just want to keep continuing to get my story out there. And one of the biggest things from it is, again, I'm, I, I am the, I'm the farthest thing from perfect. I don't like you said. There's never been a perfect person that's walked this earth. There never will be a perfect person who's walked this earth. I do not think I have it all figured out. I do not think that everybody should not drink, not smoke, not do drugs, not do this, not do that, and follow in my, like, lead. No, I don't think that. I think live your life and do as you please and whatever makes you happy by all means. I'm not at all that kind of like a preachy person. Mm-hmm. But I want to tell my story because I do want to help people who are maybe in those situations and can relate to some of the things that I've been through or you know, can, can watch out for like, like I said, when having that beer after work goes from, yeah, I, 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 I kind of want to have a beer right now as opposed to becomes, I need to have that beer right now, mm-hmm. that want and that need. And it's a very quick shift where that happened. It, it's it, that, that line for me was very quick. It was like, I'm going to have the boys over. We just had a good game. We're going to party. We're going to get a keg, like all that kind of stuff. And then it was like, all right, it's Tuesday, you know, we'll go out for some drinks, the hockey game's on. And then it was like, I'm sitting at home, I need a drink. And it just happened so quickly. So yeah, I just want to keep, um, and learning from other people too. It's like, it's wonderful when I come on and, and people message me on Instagram or whatever, and I can continue to learn from, and, and like what you're saying and learning from you, learning from other people and hearing their stories and hearing what other people have been through. because. One of the things that I learned the day my mom died is that you don't know what other people are going through. I, my world as I knew it was over when I heard that news. And I remember I was going back, I was going to go to the funeral home to go and see my mom and McDonald's is still open. People are still getting gas. The highways are still full. I'm like, what is going on? Like stop the world. Don't you understand what I'm going through right now? Like, don't, like, how is this all, how are you guys all okay? And that just made me learn. And same with traveling. Like, I'd just show up, like, I'd go from Miami to New York to London, and I would just be another tens of millions of people there just trying to live their life. And I would just kind of drop in and realize how small a piece of this whole thing. I'm significant, but I'm a very small piece of this whole thing. So it's really important to realize that people deserve your respect. Whether it's the person delivering your DoorDash, whether it's your person who signs your paychecks, whether it's your pay, whatever, people deserve your utmost respect. I don't think, I don't buy into muscles, money, cars, job titles, any of that makes anybody better than anybody else. Forget that. I don't, I don't have time for you if that's the way you think. 
go fly a kite. Mm-hmm. I think everybody deserves the same respect because you do not know what people are going through. And if people do something to you and they lose your respect, then I'm like, okay, you had a chance, you're out. And I'm, I'm very, I draw the line hard on that. But people get, there's no such, no such thing as a nobody. I don't care if it's somebody on the street. I don't care if it, like I said, everybody's a somebody. And people, you don't just don't know what they're going through or what they've been through. So lead with grace and lead with compassion and lead with like being humble and knowing that we are just a, a you know, we're just a yeah. little ant, a little ant trying to make our way. Little tiny sprinkles. Yeah, just trying to make our way and living our life. But it's easy in today's you know, society where you open your phone and it's customized for you. Mm-hmm. You call your bank and they say, hey, Mr. Neisel, how are you today? And you go to the restaurant and you can have it your way. It's like, man, maybe the world does revolve around me. And your explore page is just, but I think it's very important just to, you know, ground ourselves and to remember that. And like yeah. I said, to lead with grace because you don't know what people are going through. And, and it's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, you can't tell from the outside uh, what's going on in the inside. You know, um, I always know that life is always at a constant, uh, it just keeps going and never stops. But it's always good to just take that time to just be outside, pause, reflect, you know, take that deep breath. You're like, wow, I'm here. I'm alive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's very true. It's very true. And it's uh, every day above ground is a great day. Yeah. Know? And it's, you know, the, the whole idea of, uh, you know, I wish I would have, I mean, there's today it can be the day. You know, you, yeah. you get started on whatever it is. Like it, it, that's why I wanted to move to Texas because it was it was in my mind. I'm a dual citizen, thankfully. I was tired of Canadian winters. It was get, too expensive in Toronto. I'm like, I don't want to look back at ten years and say I should have. I'm going to take the leap of faith mm-hmm. and I'm going to go and I'm going to act on it now. And same thing with now looking back at the day that I took my last drink. I didn't know that was a lot. That that was going to be the day. 16 years ago that I took my last drink of alcohol. It was just another day. It was the day before Canadian Thanksgiving and I was just sitting at home getting drunk by myself like normal. And that turned out to be insane with the drugs and same with like, it's, it's, it's really important. And I heard something recently. I heard uh, Tom Hanks was on some kind of actors round table. Uh-huh. And they were talking about like, what would you tell your younger self? And he said that I would tell my younger self, this too shall pass. Whether it's something great, like he just booked this role and whatever, this too shall pass. Whether it's something horrible, it's, it's just like you said, life is always moving and this too shall pass. And I think that's a really important thing to remember because especially when you're in the depths of despair or like in a tough time and you think it's never going to get better. Yeah. Well, it will. And that's what I would go back and people have asked me, what would you tell your 21-year-old self? And I would simply say that things are going to be hard. It's going to take a long time. There's going to be a lot of ups and some oh, some really awful downs. But it you will get through this. I wouldn't say don't drink. I wouldn't say don't go. I wouldn't say any of that. I'd say this is what you need to go through. But just know that you are going to come out the other end and you are going to be okay. And you are going to beat this. And I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't change all that stuff. 
Yeah. Like all the stuff that I've been through, good and bad, wouldn't change it. This is what I needed to be for the person I am today. And that's what, you know, it's how we make ourselves into who we are. So, yeah. By the way, I was, uh, I, I was wanting to have like a killer beard like what you had, but because of a mishap, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was, I was getting this one, you know, like, you know, smooth. And next thing you know, it got caught right here. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> there goes my moment, you know. My beard is gone. <laughs> I was supposed to have it for the rest of the winter, but you know. Oh man, yeah. Get to start oh, you're over again. You're rocking the stash. You're rocking that. Pull that off for the. Oh, thank really you. well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, life's life's interesting, right? And we can never stop learning. That's an important thing to do. Like to to realize yeah. is that. You know, as eighteen, twenty year olds, we oh, think yeah, we have it all figured there? out. And we realized, like, Did I lose the older Jonathan we get, Nizel the less there? we know. And Hello, John. we can never stop learning there? and stop growing. I know we're having a little bit of and some difficulty. I think that's the important thing to really, like, remember and uh, to, hopefully, to live your life. Uh, we'll get to have you back on in a few. And if not, yep, we'll just, just have to proceed with the conclusion. So if I'm not able to have Jonathan uh, with me here as we conclude, I would just I'll like to thank him for being a part of the show. He's been wonderful. Thanks very much for his uh, his testimony. Yep. I'm sure many so, of you guys nothing. have been inspired uh, hearing well, him out, uh, seeing what he's been through. Yeah. Anyway, I'll keep and, talking. Oh, there oh, you there go. You go. There All right. See, see, I was doing it just in case if you if you were going to disappear, uh, but it's always good to conclude with you being back on. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just I, you froze for a minute there, so I was just talking about. Um, yeah, I was just I was just talking still and and wasn't sure. I, I've used. Riverside before with other podcasts, so I know sometimes it can, yeah, like it can glitch like that, but it puts it all together seamlessly. Yeah. It's gonna look good by the end. Yeah, but no, I think it's really important. I like I said, like you said in the beginning, like you want to talk about like men's health issues specifically, or like what did you want to what, what what did you like what did you want to talk about? Uh, well, um, I've dealt with somebody before, and he was a cutter. Okay. But it's always good to always, always be that person that's willing to listen or give advice uh, during that crucial point in time. I mean, imagine he's at that point where he's just, you know, cutting his way through. And I was glad mm. to stop him, and I got the blade. So, wow. Yep. So many years down. I think it's going to be almost 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Saved that's his incredible. life. Yep. That's he's incredible. A, he's a family man now and has a kid. So I'm very happy for him. Yeah, that is wonderful. But there's That's, a lot. There's so much that, that all of us goes through. It just, and it's all based upon, like, your surroundings or the people that you're with, which will lead on, you know, to the struggle that you're facing. Um, by sure. the way, were you mostly, like, by yourself when you were going through this? Very much so. I, uh, I was very insular with my addictions. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I partied a little bit, but for the most part, it was like I would just kind of withdraw where everybody – you know, once I started talking about this stuff, you know, people who've known me for 15, 20 years were like, I had no idea. Like, because I was very good at hiding and uh -huh. lying. Um, some people could see some things, but yeah, I was very, very withdrawn with things. And it was usually just when I was by myself and alone with my thoughts. I, you know, it's, it's a, been said before, but it's like, well, it's better than feeling my feelings. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I could, you know, I could sit here and I'm smoke weed all night or do whatever. But mm -hmm. hey, it's better than feeling my feelings. But now I embrace feeling my feelings and look forward to feeling my feelings and 
yeah, enjoying the fact that life has its ups and downs and not just living in that gray, numbed out, comfortably numb place where everything is just kind of like blah, like you have uh-huh. a bad day, blah, you have a good day, whatever. It's like, it's, I like the ups and downs and, and the ups feel though that much sweeter when you have the downs and when you have those downs and you persevere, persistence is a big, is a, a massive part of my life. But when you battle and get back and, you know, work through those things, it's like, yes, like I did that. Like, and maybe it was somebody's help or whatever, but it's like, yes, like I fought through that and I got, so yeah, I, I'm, I was definitely doing it by myself, but mm-hmm. now I'm just enjoying life and, and I noticed I'm a very, I'm a very, I don't know. I say to myself, stay to myself a lot. That's why it's good that I play hockey. I just don't, you know, I don't go to bars and stuff like that, but I do take more time now to nurture the few friendships that I do have uh-huh. because I think that's an important thing to do. And a thing I didn't do for the longest time because I was too busy being inebriated and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Uh, when you lost your friends, are you implying that you lost them because you uh, just disconnected from them or did they pass away or? So no, the two of my friends, one of them committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like when I just moved back to Toronto. Uh-huh. Um, one of them died in a car accident. Um, and then just last June, one of my friends just died. She had an undiagnosed uh, heart issue that happened and but I lost and I, and I think about them every day and I, I and my mom and I think about life in this way like I'm still here thankfully and I have to live my life with that much more purpose and that much more be, be, for them because theirs got cut short you know what I mean like I, I want to yeah. I don't want to waste it I don't want to and yeah, of course, I have days where I just sit on the couch and watch Netflix all day. Like, yeah, of course. Like, that's a great, you know, it's a great day some days. But you know what I'm saying? I had that mentality about it. But I also lost a lot of friends when I stopped drinking because they were my drinking buddies. We didn't have that in common anymore. They're mm-hmm. good people. They're great uh-huh. people. It's just that was our common commonality. That's what we had. Same as when I stopped playing lacrosse. I lost a lot of my lacrosse buddies because we didn't have that in common anymore. And as you go through stages and phases of your life, you know, you're going to lose touch with people because you don't have certain things in common. And that's okay. It's not again, it's not like they're bad people or whatever. So, I've done I've I've both, but I've noticed that there are, you know, a handful of people who have kind of stuck in from each crowd that have kind of we've grown, you know, together and and strengthened our bond and stuff. So, yeah, I'd say both. I've I've lost physically lost people and then figuratively lost people just because of of life. Yeah, I'm one of those guys that has a cell phone, but barely anyone calls it. I mean, I I say I have more acquaintances than I do friends, and right. um, the ones that I've I had you know I've held on to for so long. I already have three that already passed away, didn't even make it to forty, and really? yeah. I'm just very grateful for them to have that role in my life or today being still an inspiration as to why oh, yeah. I'm still living. So I still have them in the back of my mind and you know, in every random moment 
sometimes I, I, I think about this podcast and I still think about one of my friends. Her name is Cindy. And she said to me, John, you know, be open. You know, don't be shy. Go out there. Tell the whole world who you are. So, yeah. wow. I mean, imagine that. A couple of years later, this is happening. You know, a podcast yeah. is happening. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But I'm very, I'm very proud of you, uh, uh, Jonathan. Continue your walk. Uh, let's let's get in touch again sometime. Maybe even meet up in Chicago. Maybe we can go around downtown. You know, I would love to. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm proud of you as well, my friend. Thanks. I mean, I I know we just have met each other, but from what we've talked about and and what you've overcome and what you're doing, um, yeah, I'm I'm extremely proud of of what you're doing and and who you are. And yeah, I, I you know consider you on the on the friends list now, and and I take that seriously. And yeah, I. I I do plan on going to Chicago. It's always been one of the cities that I've wanted to go to, and I want to get represented by an agency there again. So, um, yeah, you'll definitely be getting a phone call. And I want to try that Chicago-style pizza, too. Oh, yeah, you must. <laughs> I want to try that. I'm, I've always been curious about that. Yeah. And uh, you guys have Chicago hot dogs, too, right? Yep. Yeah. No ketchup on a hot dog, just remember. <laughs> oh, is that it? Okay. Yeah, no ketchup. It's mustard. Yeah. yeah, and if you're ever in the South... You know, we'll connect and everything on, on social media and all that kind of stuff, but we have each other's information. And yeah, if you're ever in, in find yourself in this neck of the woods, but uh-huh. yeah, we should, uh, we should absolutely, I'm going to be starting a podcast too within my, the next six months. Awesome. So I would be honored if I could call you and, and have you on as a, as a guest. Oh, I'd love to. So yeah, it will be reverse roles. I just uh-huh. purchased a microphone the other day. I don't know how to work it yet, so. <laughs> I, but I've got an actual podcast mic that I can use so one thing at a time cool and by the but, way yeah. how can people find information about you uh i'm on all the socials i like i said i love hearing from people i love connecting with people i love people reaching out um on instagram TikTok, and youtube it's jonathan nizel and i'm sure you'll put that in the show notes my first and last name on uh, Facebook and my website, it's Jonathan Nizel Official. Okay. But yeah, I love to connect with people. I love to hear about your stories. I love to learn from other people because, again, I'm just trying to learn and trying to make my way through life like yeah. everybody else is. So help me out, please. Like, Most definitely. By any means, if you guys have any like <laughs> tips or, tri- or whatever, just conversation, I love it. And I love the, the community of, of you know, people helping people in whatever capacity it is. I think that's, I, I think, you know, like you're doing and, and what I'm doing, I think we just want to make the world a better place. Exactly. exactly. That's, it, it, there's no, it, there's no, uh, there's nothing to it but but that. So I think yeah. that's the, the most important. Well, we made it to almost the uh, one hour mark. So congratulations on making it and being my yeah. first guest of 2024. <laughs> that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. and. Yeah, it was a breeze. It was an easy conversation. It was uh, it was great. It's like talking to an old buddy. It was uh, it was a very easy conversation. Yeah, somehow so, it does feel like I'm talking to an old buddy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. It doesn't always feel like that, but very good connection. And I like again. I said again. I'll, I'll say I, I really do appreciate you having me on and what you're doing. And you're making big differences in people's lives with what you're doing and and making a priority and. Uh, yeah, I mean, just that's awesome. I, you know, commend you in the highest way for that. So, keep on, keep on going. Again, let's give it up for Jonathan Nizel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you take care, my friend. Thanks, buddy. All right, man.
Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out this episode of 2400 Block Podcast. Don't forget to follow and subscribe.